This is Music Ed Amplified. Friends, I am tired. I'm coming to you from the almost end of summer, from Boston, where I am finishing my fifth course of the summer before taking a week off. And I have done so much that, dare I say it, I'm almost looking forward to school starting to bring some routine and normalcy to my life. However, as I mentioned in the last episode, I absolutely love getting to work with music educators all over the United States and the world. I was able to interact with about 100 teachers this summer, and every one of you made an impression and impact on me. Hearing your stories, your questions, your triumphs, your struggles, and of course, even hearing very zany stories about what is going on in different districts and music rooms is sometimes heartening, too often discouraging, and always fascinating. And speaking of fascinating, let's get right to the second part of the discussion we started last time with Jasmine Fripp, Kelsey Burkett, and Dr. Shantae Pittman. My, my program, I, I can definitely relate with the uncertainty like there was so much uncertainty going into the year, coming towards the end of the year. Like I didn't know if we were going to have to make virtual perform. I never want to do virtual performances again. Like no. putting those virtual choirs together, I was Ugh. like, uh-uh, no ma'am, no ham. <laughs> I do not want, like it's great for those who love it. But as for me in my house, I'm good. <laughs> but also relating back to what you said, like, the kids generally like miss that camaraderie. And mm-hmm. when we got back, I can honestly say building a culture of joy, building that culture of just family was so easy. Like that was probably like the easiest thing to build within my classroom, just me being myself, my black and brown babies, just being their beautiful selves. Like it came naturally to them. We cut up, we had a great time. Um, I don't feel like I had an opportunity to really reteach or rebuild anything because it felt like I was building everything from scratch. Um, So building up the student's confidence, I had to do a lot of that, like, it was what like during COVID when I would have them do their vocaroo.com recordings and just submit it to me, they were singing out loud and proud because it was just them in the solitude of their room. But when they got next to each other, baby, you could hear mice over their voices. Like it, it was a lot of just like getting them to believe in themselves and being willing to be vulnerable and by like, Latinx Heritage Month, because we actually went to our gym and we recorded our performance and like hearing what came out with all of my classes combined. It was it was a it was a great event to let me know that everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And then winter concert hit and I was like, okay, these kids are really feeling it now. And then like February hit and I was playing the balancing act of passionate black educator and teacher, mom and husband. And I was away for days at a time. I was out in Texas and then I went to Southern ACDA 
um, for a couple of days because we had a presentation down there. And okay, y'all at Southern ACDA went off. We did. I was so jealous. I have never <laughs> wanted to attend a divisional conference before. And like, I'm like seeing all these Instagram posts. Like y'all had every big name there. Like your stuff went viral. I was like, okay, Southern ACDA, I see you. Listen, when I got the Southern ACDA, <laughs> I had a moment where I cried. I was just, well, I had several moments when I cried between like the performances and just Meeting Dr. Jeffrey Redding again, yes, who is the main reason why I'm in music education in the first place. Having Dr. Ames, my mentor, Dr. Andre Thomas, come up to me and tell me that I'm doing great work, and just seeing people that I never met before on Facebook, like huh, it, it was such a rewarding and overly over overwhelming. It, it just, uh, it made my heart go like flutter. It was great. But even like being away at those conferences, it took away from time with my students and we started to lose that sense of community. Mm -hmm. So I had to go back to the drawing board. I was like, okay, how can I go back to building community? So I did more community building at the beginning of my classes. And then we got right back into singing. And at that point, we were still sight reading music as far as like sight reading exercises. And we were actually working. I, I got into a point now where they can trust me and we can actually work on choral music. Mm -hmm. So it, it was kind of dope seeing that and seeing them like try music that's kind of outside of the comfort zone. But we still got some songs that they know and love. Like we did a whole Disney spring concert mm. um, and it, 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 it could have gone better, but um, <laughs> we did it and they had fun. It got done. It got, it got done. done. Okay. Yes, yes, it did. <laughs> but like even, even towards the end of the year when we started, okay, we're going to open up for Tennessee State University. Now we're going to go and perform for solo and ensemble. We got superior ratings. We did a great job at TSU. Um, we went to Kentucky Kingdom and kids were looking forward to that. We got on a bus at 3.30 in the morning, got mm. to Kentucky and came back home with two superior ratings. But it wasn't that. The, the fact that we got two superior ratings is like very minimal to me. The fact that my kids went and you know kids have been acting a fool with these devious licks like we talked about yeah. like they went on that bus and they were so well behaved they represented themselves so well at the competition they represented themselves well at the park they had a great time and they were just their beautiful selves and just to see like the family aspect of it all forming in in front of my very eyes and just it was it was hard it was even hard for me to let these seniors go mm -hmm. like graduation came around and I was like but dude y'all y'all don't want to go to college this year y'all I want to stay <laughs> here, right uh it was like it was a lot of work and I felt like I've I've let I've laid such a great foundation with my kids and I just between everything that's happened this year, it, it was a lot. It was a lot of tears. It was a lot of sweat that went into this, but 
The excellence is there all because I made an executive decision to put joy first. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I would do it any other way. So speaking of Southern ACDA, I, I know I went to a music conference. I know Shantae, you went to one. I'm not sure about you, Kelsey, we but. Did. So but, I went to Oak for the first time in ooh. my career. The um, If you don't know Oak, it's the Organization of American Kodai Educators. Okay. Um, my master's is um, in music ed, vocal music ed with, and I'm Kodai certified. Um, Capital University is where I went for my undergrad and our, and my master's here in Columbus in Bexley. And they have a Kodai Institute that is pretty well known in the Kodai world. Um, there's an undergrad program where you can go study in Hungary um, for a semester. I didn't do that. That's probably one of my big regrets from undergrad is I didn't do that. And I was a Kodai hater or very early on. I didn't grow up learning on solfege. I thought it was childish. I thought it was just like singing games. And I was like, what is this? This is weird. This is for little kids. Um, but then I just started using solfege, just basic solfege, and noticing like, hmm, there's something to this with the with the way they relate in their ears to the music and the listening. So anyways, I got Kodai certified. I drank the Kodai Kool-Aid. I'm like, yes, this works. Let's do this. Lean into it. Um, so I went to Oak for the first time this year because I did a presentation. It's like, way to go. Go to your first national conference and do a, a presentation there too. Um, but I did it with three um, friends of mine who are also Kodai certified. And we talked about Brene Brown and her daring classrooms and how that does really very similarly to the Kodai philosophy. Um, so we did that presentation. It went really, really well. People were really responsive to it. Um, but yeah, so I went to Oak and that's, I, I loved it. I feel a lot of times at conferences, and this is why I was jealous of Southern ACDA. Cause I was like, Ooh, what I've experienced at conferences doesn't look like it's happening there, but I don't know if you guys have experienced, I, especially if it was my state conference, it almost becomes like a contest of like, well, my program does this, or I do this, or I am this person. And I'm, I hate that. It makes me uncomfortable. It makes me feel very insecure about myself and my, what I know are accomplishments, but it just makes me just, I hate it. I hate it here. Um, and that was the first time I've gone to a conference and I didn't feel any of that. Everyone was there like from this genuine love of this philosophy like it, it, the best part was like the parade of divisions they did at the opening ceremonies where each like small division walked in carrying their flag and like everyone went wild for each division. <laughs> like everyone cheered for each other. Um, it was really beautiful when they did the awards for young teacher of the year and lifetime um, teacher of the year. Like the letters these people wrote are some of the most beautiful words I've ever heard written about another human being. I'm like, I don't even know this girl getting this award. And I'm like crying because <laughs> she just sounds like such a beautiful human being. Um, like it was just a really beautiful celebration of each other. So I have a hard time with conferences because of that. And also because 
it's again, like you said, it takes time away from my kids. They always fall in like that late February, early March for us, which is the worst time of year between competing in acapella and getting ready for March festivals. Like it's just the worst time to leave. Um, but I'm on the board for our state OCDA right now. And then I actually, here's some tea for you all. I am up for a national chair position for ACA. So if that happens, (laughs) I will be attending more conferences, I guess, in the future. But like I said, I think you have to go to figure out what you like and what you don't like. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where you're going to spend your time. For me, our district doesn't pay for anything. So if I want to go to a conference, it's all out of my own pocket. That's my, that's my feel on conferences. Yeah. I I just, I just feel like with social media, music conferences, honor squire, choral festivals, for me personally, well, my kids didn't do an honor squire this year. But with everything else, just going back to what you said, I have this very bad habit of comparing myself to other people. And that's why, like, a lot of people may have noticed, like, my letter back in June of 2020 went viral. And then, like, around August, September, I just went ghost. Mm. I I ghosted social media because I was like, one, I got so much stuff to work on for myself, like personally. And two, like I just comparing myself to like what everybody else got going on. And it's so easy to get caught up in it between like looking at what everybody else got going on and feeling like I'm either not doing enough Mm -hmm. or what I'm doing is just not as good as what this person on social media that I've never met, never had a conversation with, but they just post all the good stuff they got going on on their page. I don't know what crosses they had to carry to get there, but all I know is that I'm not as good as them. Mm. Or when I do, like, I've always hated that, Kelsey. Like when Coral snobs, well, my program is being explained. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, okay, congratulations. So y'all trying to go to a bar and take shots? Right, I was right. like, you want a drink? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I got my husband, my <laughs> child, my choir kids. It's just me and some music teachers that understand me. Yeah. Like, well, let's, let's go, go talk have, about like, the real time. stuff. Yes, like... Let's let's do, and that's exactly what Southern ACDA was for me. That was the first conference that and TMEA. A uh, quick side note: educators within Texas, especially my Black folks, y'all welcomed me like no other state has welcomed me, and I just thank y'all for that. But anywho, like this conference was the first time where it was legit. Like no one was trying to compare themselves to other people. No one was trying to have a measuring contest. Mm. Like everybody was like, Oh, what do you need? Oh, I Mm. can set you up with X, Y, and Z. Oh, you do this. I didn't know that. Let me, let's stay in touch. Let me get your business card. Like it was all about lifting up whoever is next to you. I saw someone random, like we met, a young black lady, her name was Nicole. 
And Maria Ellis and I were like, hey, let's wake up and have coffee. I, I don't know her from a can of paint. I was just trying to lift up sister. Like, were you in that? Were you in the black excellence photo yes. that I posted? Yes. You know, like, it I stared at that photo for hours. Like, that picture is so powerful. It's so great because, you know, I was one of the, they call us the new guard. Mm-hmm. to really start to be present at these ACDA conferences. Um, and then, you know, I met Maria. My first time meeting her was at the Kansas ACDA. And she was just like, she saw me sitting. Um, and I'm I'm pretty quiet on the most part. And so I got to kind of feel you out before I, you know, talk to you. And she saw me sitting there and we started just randomly having a dialogue. And she's like, oh, my gosh, it's so nice to see other people. <laughs> I was like, so y'all, National yeah. is in my hood next year. Sensei. Yes, it is. So <laughs> let's like, make the commitment now. We're going to have like a Black Excellence Night. Oh, absolutely. In Cincinnati. Space tournament on deck. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love it. Yes. But yeah, it's it's please please know. I was like, people, people talk, people are talking about that. And I think they're starting to realize that we're a force to be reckoned with. I was like, yeah, we might not have the best of the best, but our product speaks for itself. So we are definitely, definitely redoing that black excellence picture. (laughs) We've already, we already got that on the books there. So, well, and I've got to give props to ACDA and, and Oak. Um, Oak, when I walked into the registration table, they had pronoun stickers for you to put on your badges. Mm. Um, It was clear that there was an active purposeful intention for DI diverse sessions, diverse presenters there. ACDA has now, so with the R&R positions that have already opened up, like they are asking, how do you identify gender identification, racial identification, sexual orientation? I've never seen those questions before from national organizations, which is great. I got to give a shout out to OCDA. They have given me such a voice in the state of Ohio. I have invited you know, myself and the very few Black educators that are in Ohio to have seats at the table, run for board positions, Mm -hmm. um, present. So I will say, I think those two professional organizations in particular, at least from what I've seen from a music standpoint, are listening and doing work to lift up voices that have not been given a seat at the table before now. Mm. So since you went there, Let's go there. <laughs> All right. So picture the following. George Floyd comes back to earth for just a month to get his daughter ready for school for this coming school year, 2022-2023. Knowing the work you've done this school year, how he died, and the DEI commitments made by schools, businesses, and the government officials, Would George allow his daughter to, one, be in your music program, two, attend your school, three, attend school in your district, and last but not least, 
would he be proud of the overall strides that we've made within these national organizations? Would he allow his daughter to participate <clears throat> in these honors choirs, whether it be locally, regional, national? Talk to me. In my program, yes. In my school, yes. In my school district, probably not. We've been on the news. <laughs> um, our organizations, though, absolutely. Um, in those honor choirs um, and things. But even though, you know, things are things are proficient at my school, my, my program, I, I would fairly say DEI is at the forefront. So we're advanced in that level. My school is proficient. I'm not so confident about, about my county. Um, like Kelsey was saying, there's a very contentious uh, school board uh, school board election coming up. So it's it's been a definite battle when it comes to things of that nature. There's an actual board meeting right now where they're talking about sensitive or controversial topics mm -hmm. that we can't talk about in class or, you know, indoctrinating students and things of that nature. It's just, it's mind boggling, but you know, she would have a safe space in my classroom and at my school. So. Yeah, I think she would definitely be welcome in my, um, be feel welcome and be a part of my program. I'm on the same idea though, my building, yes. My high school building, yes. My district, I know. I'm just gonna say no. I'm one of, I think 16 black educators in a district of 2,500 teachers. So she wouldn't see people on a daily basis in front of her leading her that look like her. So I think, but as far as, you know, the program I have, absolutely. But I think, I think that's what's hard about this work is that we know what we're doing. We know what we're give, in front of our children doing and we can see it, but the bigger umbrella that we have no control over isn't doing that. Or they're afraid of the pushback they're getting. Hilliard's a really interesting town because it, when I first started here 16 years ago, it very much felt like a farm town. It was still small, but the population has exploded in the last 10 years and the culture isn't catching up quick enough. And so while we have a very diverse student body, I think we're at 35% now, the teaching staff doesn't match that yet. We have our first black secondary principal at the high school, black, a black male that we've ever had in the district. Um, we had one other black administrator that honestly was chased out by some really horrible things that happened to her when she became our DEI coordinator. So she's gone and we've got work to do. We're not there yet. In my classroom, definitely. She would feel right at home. Uh, my school, we talk a good talk. Mm. And any concerns that I brought up to majority of my, or actually all of my administration administrators, they've addressed it. Specific teachers, he would not allow mm -hmm. uh, his daughter to be in their class. And there, there, there are some things that I just wish would continue, not just conversation. I wish action would continue um, throughout the school year. My district, uh, it's so tricky. 
At glance, probably no. Hmm. At glance. And it's not, it's nothing to do with like the head of the school board because she's our superintendent. She's dope. But it's just the people that they hire within these schools. I'm just like, because I've seen some things. It's, it's crazy how like our district is predominantly Black and Latinx. Hmm. And we have a lot of refugee students who come from Somali and Tanzania, but their teachers look nothing like them. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, where's the representation one? And even if we don't have the representation, we need culturally competent people in classrooms. Mm -hmm. As far as participating in honors choirs, I will say that I'm very proud, especially like what I saw at Southern ACDA, I'm very proud of the people who are using their platforms to get people like myself or uh, people who are meant to do uh, DEI work and just a diverse group of people to present or be clinicians or whatnot. But you can have a diverse group of clinicians but they're still looking at a predominantly white body mm. of students. So I think that's something that we should look in tackling as well. And I think that's on both teachers. And I think that's also on, I, I want to say that's on the people who create the rules for yeah. like what, the audition what requirements, requirements do you yeah. need to get into these honors choirs? Because We've been saying it for quite some time. Like, why is sight reading a part of it when we don't sight read in the actual honor choir yeah, sessions? Like, prepare for it at all. You right. learn everything by rope through a CD. Right. So it's just like, why is that a requirement? To prepare for, like, we want people of choral excellence. I understand that. But there's no correlation between the task that we're given Mm -hmm. and the requirements that you have us giving to our kids in order to deem them worthy of being a part of this honors choir. So that, and I think we could get more diverse music. I do. I think we definitely have some work to do, but I, I think we're, I think we're on our way. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of slow and deliberate movement going on. And I just quite haven't put my finger on how I feel about all of that quite yet. Yeah, I was, uh, I don't know if anyone's on listening on the middle, I teach middle school choir Facebook page and have a love hate relationship with those teacher Facebook groups and pages sometimes. Um, but someone asked the question about the song Shut the Door. And I guess she found it in her library and thought it was cool. But then when she looked it up and started reading about it, I found all the problematic issues with it. And I was a little taken aback at the comment section because there was one comment that was like, I just don't even do spirituals anymore because they're so controversial. And I was like, uh, this song is not a spiritual. Also, what's controversial about spirituals? <laughs> um, and then another comment was like, oh, but I just love that song so much. The harmonies and rhythms are so fun. And I, I was very disheartened by it because I'm like, y'all, it's 2022. I thought we had this reckoning. But it was a reminder that 
we have to continue having those conversations and having those reminders. So I did not hesitate to get on there and say like, no, this is not appropriate. It's a caricature of a dialect. Um, several mm. other people commented that. And then I, well, I went back and I said, Hey, it, you said, I'm a, I said, I'm a little disheartened by some of the comments here. I appreciate the poster asking the question. That's good. That means the knowledge is there to ask the question because there definitely was a time when people never asked questions and just did it because they liked it. And I said, and if if you are one of the, maybe this was virtue signaling. I don't know, proselytizing. I'm sure my mother would have something to say about it. But she said, I said, hey, I said, if you were one of these people that either were sad because you liked the song and you couldn't do it anymore or you felt like it was, you know, we were being too politically correct. Like, I implore you to think more about that and why you feel that way. And, you know, because at the end of the day, when we do these things, we are causing harm to children and we cannot do that anymore. And there is enough repertoire out there in the choral world that we do not need to hold on to these pieces that are not appropriate. Yes. Thank you. Oh my, like there's too much music out there for you to be that lazy. Yeah. Go do your work. Go do your research. I feel like I've been preaching that forever. I had a TikTok go viral when I was talking about uh uh Ah, yes. About people programming minstrel songs. And I was like, if you don't get this out of your library, like, what are you talking? I don't care how the harmonies are. I don't care that it's been in your library for 25 years. I don't care that you did it as a sophomore and that's what made you fall in love with choir. I don't like, care. <laughs> get rid of your, let go of your nostalgia. Like, is your nostalgia more important than the well-being of these students? Because that's, like you said, Kelsey, who you're ultimately impacting. Like, yeah. make it make sense because it don't. <gasps> so many people were commenting about, but, but what about, no, 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 absolutely not. Absolutely not. Google is free. <laughs> Google is free. I'm not teaching you a darn thing because you don't sit in my classroom. But I was like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. It's 2022. I was like, if if these folks who are doing these music, uh, these general music textbooks, if they're starting to see the light and starting to see that a lot of the songs that are in there are based upon tunes that were had lyrics that were detrimental, just because you change the lyrics don't mean you can change the, the intention is is not still there. Okay, mm-hmm. so you know, and and it's we have to retrain ourselves. A lot of the things that we learned in in elementary music. Those songs, when you go back and look at the history of the actual text, you're just like, what in the world? Why was I singing that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. We we gotta we gotta move beyond. It's time to elevate. It's time to elevate. Speaking of elevation, ladies, I'm curious to know. As a black woman, as a black music educator, have you felt seen? Have you felt heard this school year? Yes. I, so like I said, I'm one of a few in my district, but it's interesting because summer of 2020, and this was a previous administration before our current superintendent was on, 
they said they were going to create a task force, a diversity task force, and not one Black educator in the district was asked to be put on this task force. And so myself and my girl, Tiffany, who's one of our media specialists and who is Black, we decided to create the Hilliard BIPOC Alliance. It's going to be a support group for the few people of color that worked in this district. And we wrote a three-page letter of dissent towards the superintendent and the school board. And I think we had 172 teachers in the district that signed the letter with us. It still makes me emotional <laughs> thinking about it. And we sent it. Like, we put our jobs on the line. We, we are both single mothers. And we were just like, no, this is unacceptable. And that became kind of the starting point of a new respect I felt from my colleagues. We were able to do these amazing t-shirt sales. We got this cool logo design that's the Hilliard H, but it had shades of black and brown going down it. And we like have sold these shirts. We are giving out three scholarships this year to BIPOC graduates from each Mm -hmm. high school from our alliance because from the proceeds that people have given to us and donated to us as an alliance. The new superintendent we have, like I said, he was a principal in the district before and at Bradley where I've worked my whole time I've been in this district. He and I did not have a great relationship when he worked at Bradley. And so I was very nervous when he came back to the district as a superintendent because I was like, we we had some run-ins. He came to two of our acapella nights. He came to my March middle school choir concert he Mm. wrote me a letter of congratulations um for our omea performance he personally came over and told me congratulations on the cma foundation award he's been wonderfully supportive and he came to one of our bipoc alliance happy hours and like we had a lovely time together and so i have never as stressful it has been i've never felt more respected for who I am both as a Black woman and as a music educator than I have in the last two years. It's almost like people were kind of like, oh, like 2020 happened and they were like, oh, maybe that perspective she was coming from was right. And I think people respected that I put myself on the line with that letter to stand up for our kids and our students. So yeah, it's like really beautiful coming to work and having friends at work. I didn't have that for a very long time. It makes things a little better. I, I feel like within my school, I, I will say I feel very seen, I feel very loved, but I cannot say that for a lot of my Black women colleagues. Two of them were really, are really good friends and one left smack dab in the middle of school year. Mm. And the other, she's not coming back to the school. And there are like two other women, but like they had been there for quite some time. So now it's just three in the building. But I've, I felt within my building, my voice was heard. If I had anything to say, like I was listened to, it was great. But even specifically within the world of music education, I felt like I had to do a lot. Mm. I had to be a little extra mm. <laughs> for, me, for me to like be seen and be heard. It took the death, the murder of a man. Mm. It took me writing a six page letter 
sprinkled in with some curse words <laughs> for like people to like hear what I have to say. And then we went from there. I, I feel like I've definitely been seen and people respect my perspectives and um, they love what I bring to this table, whether it's through DEI work or just straight up giving them knowledge about what I know about the world of music education. I feel very respected, but it just felt like it felt like I had to be a little extra. It felt like I have to do twice as much and work twice as hard to be seen. And truthfully, like, I don't know how I feel about it quite yet, but I'm here now yeah. and they gonna keep hearing my voice. You're here now and you're Grammy nominated. <laughs> that part. Period. That part. And that's on purr. <sighs> All right, y'all. This is our last one. Let's talk about it. As a music educator, have you felt valued this year? Have you felt seen by this country? And what do you think is the core reason for this mass exodus of teachers leaving the field of education? That's a lot. <laughs> I think it's a it's a it's a compound issue. I've had this year alone, two of my department members are not coming back um, mm -hmm. this year. Like one left right after her show was done. It's one of our theater teachers. And another is not coming back. And, you know, a lot of it has to deal with sometimes the pressure is just too much. The pressure to produce at a high level, especially in the performing arts. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it's just a a matter of it not being flexible enough to work with them. As performers, you know, we are music educators, but we are musicians first. Right. So, you know, for those of us who actively still perform on a regular basis, you know, sometimes teaching isn't as flexible as we need it to be, you know, when we want to do things or our administration isn't as flexible <laughs> with what we need to do, you know, in order for us to grow as people. I know Kelsey mentioned that, you know, her district doesn't pay for, you know, district uh, uh, PDs or, or conferences and things of that nature. I've been blessed to have that opportunity for my district. It's about being, you know, allowing for access accessibility. Um, I'm thankful for my for my music district, uh, my music coordinator for fine arts in my district, because he's very supportive of what we do. And I feel valued and seen. I've been given you know, a lot of uh, resources in order to purchase new music for my school, for all of the schools to purchase things. But, you know, that's not everybody's situation. And sometimes, you know, the kids been getting away with a lot. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, so, you know, we're only human and we only can take so much. And so, you know, like I said, it's a compound of things. Sometimes it's just without the right support, when you have, when you feel like you're being pushed up against the wall, the only thing left for you to do for your mental health is to get out. Mm -hmm. So it's sad to say, but when you even see, you know, your, your TikTok bloggers, you know, leaving, 
you see them leaving mm-hmm. and like there's a mass exodus. There's a whole thing on TikTok about former teachers. I'm like, yeah, teacher. I like it's a whole, it has become a whole, talk is a whole, thing. A whole social thing. media thing Ex-teacher to talk about talk. how you quit teaching. Ex-teachers talk. Yep. Yes. Uh, my homegirl, she just became a full-time entrepreneur and she's been in education for 11, 10, 11 years. Mm-hmm. She was like, nope. And I like, she was kind of, uh, I don't know what I'm about to do. Maybe I should go back and teach it. And then everything in Texas happened. She was like, nope, I'm good. Mm-hmm. She was like, no, I made the right decision the first time. But kind of coming back to your point with people don't realize how overwhelming fine arts can be. Like, because we have to put, like, people like, you don't have tests to prepare for, baby. <laughs> baby. Every time we put on a fall concert. My, 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 my concert. every nine-week concert is my public test. Exactly. <laughs> public your test. test. Is in, your test public. is graded and judged by the community. Right. Like, literally, I had a parent, <laughs> I had a parent sing my prices to my principal, but be mad that she couldn't see the names of the students on the back of a program. I was like, I'm sorry that I only had that color of red to print this this uh, program on. Just human beings just be doing the most sometimes. It's just be like, why? I just, uh, people don't really, like, I, I hear y'all, I feel y'all. I have not had, thankfully, parents be that forward <laughs> they haven't, I haven't been met with that this year but I did have you know I was telling y'all I used to work with the high school kids I have now I worked with them after school when I first got to my school and my Dina operations like I would tell her here are the things that I needed and she was kind of like here's how things are blah 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 she ended up leaving and this year at the end of the year, actually like last week or the week before last, I ran into her at cheerleading tryouts because she was also the ex-cheerleading coach. And she was like, you know, I had an opportunity to go work with another elementary or middle school in the network that we're in. I work for a charter school. And she was like, I did not realize how much went into creating just one performance. How many moving pieces come into just making one performance happen? And I now understand like why y'all needed this class time or why y'all needed this rehearsal or why you needed this money to make this happen. And it, it opened her eyes up and I was like, I'm thankful that you had this experience. I don't I don't have any bad blood against her or anything, but I'm just thankful that she was able to experience that. And I just wish more people had that opportunity, whether it's you helping to volunteer for helping set up a performance or chaperoning a trip. I had another teacher come with us. One, she didn't know my kids sound like that. Uh, and two, she just didn't know all of the work and the moving pieces that went into even making the trip happen. So she was honored and pleased to even be a part of that experience. Like people just don't know 
how much music teachers put into making performances happen day in and day out. They also don't know. Truthfully, I feel like music teachers, fine arts teachers are the saving grace for getting kids through this pandemic and getting them through afterwards. Mm. Like music teachers, fine arts teachers, we made that happen. Because without an outlet, these kids may have lost their minds. Mm-hmm. But as far as this this mass leaving of teachers, I just think that a lot of teachers feel undervalued. I think underpaid. Underpaid. <laughs> underpaid is it? <laughs> that that's that's one of the main things, and it's just like y'all don't pay teachers enough. And I think the pandemic, truthfully, it gave teachers some time to sit down and really mm-hmm. reevaluate their mental health and what really matters to them. Mm-hmm. So I, I think between the underpaid and that time off, I think that had a huge role in making this happen. Yeah, I think, I know I've talked to, like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Choir Baton, um, or Beth Philemon, who runs Choir Baton, but she was a teacher who quit and now works in the corporate world. And she and I have become really good friends. And we've talked about this at length, just about between the safety issues, the pay, the stuff, you know, there, you know, I know for her, like, I don't want to tell her whole story, but she had a desire to travel and a desire to do certain things. And there just was not there. And I feel like a lot of times with teaching, we have to temper our own dreams and our own desires in order to accommodate children. I'm, it's one reason I'm glad I'm a choral educator and glad I work when I do, because I, I love traveling. And so I can just travel with my kids, (laughs) you know, we're privileged enough to live in a place that, you know, can do things like that. But I will say, since I've become a mother, I've really struggled with how much of myself I can continue to give. I hit a wall in May of this year. Um, I was at a really late performance with my students and would have had an hour drive back. And by the time that day was done, I had spent $150 to pay someone to stay with my kid that entire day. Mm. And I'm like, was, was this worth it? I don't know. You know, and she's just getting bigger and she started dance. I'm like, what if she becomes like this hardcore dancer and starts competing? I want to be there mm. at those places. And, um, you know, my, my health and the health of my child and my time with my child is more important. And so, you know, as of today, am I leaving teaching? No. If this gun thing comes through, um, I will, if there, if something falls, no, I wouldn't say falls, but if I'm able to find something that either pays me what I'm being paid now, if not more, I will think seriously about it just because as a single parent, I want to be able to give my kid a lot. And um, yeah, that's where I am right now. Mm -hmm. So those who leave, I get it. I see you Mm -hmm. and I respect you for it. I, I see them too. And I applaud them. I, I'm not even going to hold y'all around October or November. I sat in my principal's office and I told them I I'm thinking about either going part-time or leaving because I am just overwhelmed and they made the adjustments because they really wanted me to stay. And I'm glad I saw it through, but 
as passionate black educator continues to grow my husband he's starting to step into his own artistry my daughter she's starting to sing now and wanting to do a whole bunch of other stuff i'm right there with you it's just like this balancing act um, i understand why teachers feel the need to leave i completely and honestly get it but if y'all could something to keep teachers here if you could go fight for them and go to a school board meeting mm. just in 30 seconds or less what is a speech a call to action that you would give um your school board members to make things better for next year Ooh. <laughs> there's it's an awkward silence because there's so many things that need to be fixed and I'm telling y'all to pick one right <laughs> I I can honestly say like stop looking for solutions when you know the teachers are the solutions we know better than a lot of the school board members who probably haven't been to a school in umpteenth years or maybe even touched a school building like stop looking all around for different solutions, allow teachers to teach, allow the teachers to be the ones who give you these solutions because ultimately we're the foot soldiers, we're at the front line and we know what's best, not only for us, but for our kids. Start trusting us to make our own coursework again. Start trusting us to test the kids' knowledge to see if they're ready to go on to the next grade or they're ready to go to the next level, like start trusting us again, give more power to your teachers because we are, we are ultimately the solutions. And when we give you the solutions, take them, <laughs> take them. Like, you know, when, when we give you those solutions, take them. When our students give you solutions, take them. Yes. It was like we we encourage our students to become, you know, active and, and voice their opinions, um, you know, and all these different things. And they see what's going on in the world. So you shouldn't wait until something happens detrimentally to want to defer to us or to defer to our students or to get the parental's in, input. We shouldn't be the last the last stop. We have so much to offer and there's so many intelligent people in the buildings because we teach that's what we do and we have things that we need that we have to say and we just want to be heard <laughs> we just want to be heard we we want to not be be the blame the cause of blame <laughs> every time <laughs> it's just so much it's so much but if you just let teachers do what we were hired to do supposedly then a lot of this stuff would mend itself yeah I mean I think that's for anyone it's a school board it's a politician it's anyone who's making a decision for a school listen to the teachers there's not one teacher anywhere on this planet where the teachers got into it to manipulate the minds of students to follow their own personal beliefs. Like this whole indoctrination thing is insane to me. Cause I'm like, who's doing that? Like this is not happening in public schools. And if you would just talk 
not just talk to teachers, but listen to them. They'll tell you that they understand kids and they understand mental and social and emotional health and that they have the absolute best interest for a child in, and not this monstrosity of humans that they think that's out there. It's very strange. Just listen to us. We know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're really much. good people. Teachers are. are such good people. They're probably some of the best people. I used to have this thing when I told people as a teacher, they would, I would think they would automatically know, oh, she's a good person. She's a mm-hmm. good heart. She's a good human. Don't feel that anymore. And I'm like, it's, I'm like, oh, you're a teacher. Like, <laughs> like these evil people. And it's not the case at all. It's very sad. You're a teacher. You're after my child. No, girl, if you don't get off my phone and go take a nap, like, trust us. We got, we got you. Mm-hmm. We got you. All right, ladies, talk to me. What are your summer plans? What are your plans for next school year? And how can we follow you on social media to follow your journeys? Uh, find me on at biracial choir unicorn on Instagram. That's where I hang out on Instagram. Um, you got, like I mentioned before, all my acapella groups are on Instagram too. Um, we, I'm excited this summer. I'm music directing a show, which I don't know why I'm doing that. I'm excited for it, but I was, I was talking to the ladies earlier. I was like, y'all I'm already tired and stressed out. And like this is the second week, I shouldn't have said that. So we'll see. I might do not do anything next summer. Um, but doing that, going to the pool all the time with my kiddo. She started dance last night. You guys, I'm, I'm one step closer to becoming a dance mom. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, doing that and then we've got our applications in for some conferences so we'll see if that comes OMEA was very gracious and offered us another bid to audition since the one this year got snowed out so and it's in Columbus next year so it won't be as far a travel and hopefully no snow so we'll see (laughs) turn up talk to me doc what you got going on I'm not doing much. I do sing um, with the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra Chorus, and we have our last performance of the season this weekend. The sopranos and altos of the Atlanta Women's Chorus uh, of the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra Chorus are performing um, the Mahler's, Mahler's Third Symphony. Um, so we sing in Movement Five. So I'm doing that, which is over this weekend, and then you know just hanging out, trying to get my house in order because. Contrary to popular belief, this is not my actual bookcase. <laughs> my, house so looks a hot mess. my house looks a hot mess. And I've literally been sitting in my on my couch. And I'll alternate between being in my couch and my bed for the past week and a half. Because that's what I do during the first two weeks of summer. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, just, you know, doing some reading, of course. Like I said, hanging out in the pool trying to get my my uh going out I guess back together (laughs) um so trying not to be as much of a homebody as I've grown to be but you know I'm getting old so there's that as far as school year is concerned just putting one foot in front of the other we're doing some leadership conferences uh with my students I'm big on student leadership in order to keep the students engaged. It's their program. It's not my program. It's our program. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, hoping to compete at Georgia Southern Invitational in November. 
We've got some honor choirs coming up with Georgia, Georgia State uh, in September. And then our county honor choir, district honor choir is in January. All state, you know, all those things. All the things. <laughs> but the most, the biggest thing, y'all, February 2023, yes. Cincinnati, yes. Ohio. Of course, you know, that's always around my birthday. So it's always a ball for me. It's going to so. be a moment. I can feel it. I'm so excited. Going to be an event. I feel all the <laughs> stuff happening. If you see me, Jazz, and Maria in dinosaurs, don't don't question it. It's it, don't question it. Okay. Yes. You forget. Okay, Jazz, you forgot. It's all right. I forgot. You got to screenshot that one. Um, <laughs> how can we follow you ma'am of course you can follow me on facebook on my facebook my name twitter instagram tiktok it's the t-h-e-e doc p and that's all my socials so yay <laughs> turn up uh all right what am i doing what am i doing today uh today in approximately 11 minutes i'm getting furniture so i'm super excited so you are not alone my house still feels very much like a bachelorette bachelor pad ish and i'm finally going to settle down and do some work to it i'm writing a children's book i am writing a book basically going into detail from my e-download that I released back. I want to say, was that, was that last year or this year? It's all running together again, mm. but I have a major book coming out with GIA. So I'm working on that. Yes. Amazing. And, uh, of course, working on this Grammy application. I'm headed down to South Carolina to work on my mom's gospel album project yeah. as well. Next year. Uh, for my kids, I hope, I, I really want to try to do a musical. Mm. I really do. Because I feel like that's like one of the only things I have not done as a teacher. So I want to try to put on a full out musical. So any and all advice would be welcome. <laughs> <laughs> depending um, on what show you do, I can send you all of yeah. my files, depending on what show yeah. you do. <laughs> I have a question. Is Grease a good beginner show? Yes. Perfect beginner show. If oh. you have dancers, yes. And you okay. got boys. Got, you got boys. My gals can dance. My guys. <laughs> you, got like, you got like six good guys. You can yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We might have something. Whew. So if I can get some guidance on that, that would be great. Um, <laughs> we got invited to Carnegie Hall um, by Dr. Dunn Savage from yeah. Tennessee State and Maria A. Ellis. Um, we're going to see what our funds will allow. It's <laughs> so expensive. Uh, hopefully, we're definitely going to be taking a trip. I want my kids to compete at least. And I want to take on some big major general music projects with some of my students but other than that you know i'm just chilling it wasn't a lot was it other than that, other than that. <laughs> other than that. <laughs> and of course passionate black educator stuff here's the um, 70 million things i'm doing but you know i'm just I'm it's fine everything is fine <laughs> everything is fine, <laughs> everything is fine.
fine. That's that's uh, the never monster. has there been a big like that's such a teacher moment. That's what it's like. Yep. Uh, when I saw that gift for the first time, my soul felt it. Uh, it oh my goodness. But uh feel free to follow me. Uh I got like room for maybe 20 friends on Facebook. So maybe the odds be ever in your favor. Uh, just follow <laughs> your Facebook. Um, whether you become my friend or passionate black educator, that's on Facebook. That's also my Instagram handle and my TikTok handle. I just deactivated Twitter yesterday, so I do not have a Twitter because I never go on that thing. And <laughs> yeah, follow me, follow this journey. And for like before we leave, thank you, ladies, so much. Thank for you um, so engaging much. in dialogue. I'm not going to lie, y'all. When I get invitations, I have like this moment like, me? You want to talk to me? <laughs> <laughs> am, I, am I cool? <laughs> You're one of the cool kids. Do people yeah. like me. You like me. You really like me. So thanks you for really stroking like my me. ego. <laughs> yes. Thank you, ladies, so much for engaging in dialogue. And shout out to Missy for even thinking. Yay. Of, thanks, Missy. Like, just being crazy enough to let us hijack her podcast and shout out to jeremy for working jeremy. background woo, woo. husband of the year well that's not push it <laughs> <laughs> and thank you all so much for listening feel free to follow us on social media and we are out I don't have much to say after that great, honest discussion, other than fully seconding the message to administrators. Please realize that teachers are the solution to so many of the problems that are being talked about with schools. Teachers shouldn't be the last stop on the road to reforming education. We should actually be the first ones listened to because we are the experts and we care enough to come into work every day in spite of the myriad things being piled up on our plates. I wish that parents and districts and administrators would stop blaming us and start letting us do what we're good at and what we were hired to do. Okay, rant over for now. Thank you again, ladies, so much for being generous with your time and insights. Well, it took a long time to get here, but we have reached the final episode of season two of the Music at Amplified podcast. I am so grateful for all of you who listen, for those of you who share these episodes and support the work on the Music Ed with Missy Teacher Pay Teacher Store, as well as the Buy Me a Coffee site. My profound and sincere thanks always. I'm going to take some time off to regroup and kick off my new school year, but I've already begun working on season three, which is shaping up to be fantastic. But now, after I finish with this great group of teachers in Boston, I head home and then off to my beloved England. And then, like all of you, I will jump into the new school year. Who knows what we face coming up? Thank you, as always, for spending time with me. I know you are busy and life is demanding a lot from you, especially right now. I hope it was worthwhile and that you're motivated to reflect on your philosophy and practice. I'll see you next time. But until then, keep doing all you can to create a more musical, joyful, thoughtful, just world for your students, families, and community.